0: I'm reading today more of the story of how the early church came to be. This time we pick Paul and Silas up in prison. Let us pray together. Holy God, you are closer to us than the beating of our own hearts. You love us beyond human imagining, and it is your desire that we live in peace and joy and so be at work in us that your word might find its place in our hearts and speak to us so that in our hearing we might become more faithful disciples of jesus christ amen one day as we were going to the place of prayer we met a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners a great deal of money by fortune-telling. While she followed Paul and us, she would cry out, these men are slaves of the Most High God who proclaim to you a way of salvation. She kept doing this for many days, but Paul, very much annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I order you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. But when her owners saw that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the authorities. When they had brought them before the magistrates, they said, These men are disturbing our city. They are Jews and are advocating customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to adopt or observe. The crowd joined in, attacking them, and the magistrates had them stripped of their clothing and ordered them to be beaten with rods. After they had given them a severe flogging, they threw them into prison and ordered the jailer to keep them securely." Following these instructions, he put them in the innermost cell and fastened their feet in shackles. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was an earthquake so violent that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were unfastened. When the jailer woke up and saw the prison doors open wide, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, since he supposed that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted in a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. The jailer called for lights, and rushing in, he fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them outside and said, Sirs. "'What must I do to be saved?' They answered, "'Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your household.' They spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. At the same hour of the night, he took them and washed their wounds, and then he and his entire family were baptized without delay.' He brought them up into the house and set food before them. And he and his entire household rejoiced that he had become a believer in God. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. There is a reason that that wonderful children's book, Alexander and the Terrible, Horrible, no good, very bad day, is as popular as it is. We have all been there, and so have our children. We have all had terrible, horrible, no good, very bad days, which is exactly where we find Paul and Silas in today's Scripture. They are having that kind of day They are sitting in prison, bruised and beaten for the supposed crime of casting an evil spirit out of a slave girl. It brings new meaning to that rather cynical adage, no good deed goes unpunished. You know, the two of them really had been minding their own business making their way through the city of Philippi, sharing the good news, and building up the new church that was being founded in Philippi. And then a slave girl began to follow after them, and she was shouting at the top of her voice, These men are slaves of the Most High God, and they proclaim salvation. Now, we might think that would be great publicity for the Christian cause. After all, this slave girl had a bit of a following of her own. She was a fortune teller of sorts, and her owners made quite a lot of money renting her out to read palms and entertain at parties. The problem was she was possessed by an evil spirit, And no matter how truthful her words might have been, Paul and Silas were servants of God. They were proclaiming salvation. But no matter how truthful her words were, it was annoying to have her following them all over town and shouting at the top of her voice. Well, dear St. Paul got a belly full of annoyance And he silenced her shouting by casting the evil spirit out of her in the name of Jesus Christ. Now friends, you and I would talk about her condition today as a mental illness. And her healing, even though Paul's motives were not 100% pure, her healing was a gift. And any of you who have dealt with the trauma of mental illness or had a family member who has been mentally ill know what a gift that healing was. But the healing was not met with rejoicing by her owners who had lost a significant source of income. And so they hauled Paul and Silas off before the local authorities, and the accusations started to fly. These men are breaking the law and disturbing the peace, and they're Jews who advocate customs that we Romans simply don't accept. You know, there was not one mention in all these accusations of the real reason they were so angry, which was that Paul had found a way into their wallets. Instead, there was name-calling, they're criminals, there was racism, they're Jews, and there was politics. They are betraying our beloved Roman customs. There was not a single mention of concern for the girl. In response to all the accusations, the authorities had Paul and Silas beaten and thrown into prison, which is where we find them in Scripture, bloodied and shackled. It was a terrible set of circumstances that would make even the most courageous among us frightened. And yet, there in prison, Paul and Silas were at peace. And they continued to do exactly what they had come to Philippi to do, preach the gospel and build the church. They were sharing good news with the prisoners and singing hymns. Now, folks, we have to picture that in our minds. There they are with black eyes and bloody noses talking to these prisoners about God's love and singing amazing grace at the top of their voices. Can you see it? Long about midnight, the ground began to heave, and there was a deep rumble as the walls of the prison shook, and the doors to the prison flew open, and the chains fell off all the prisoners. It was an earthquake, but it was also a perfect opportunity for all the prisoners to escape. But they didn't. Now that makes me wonder, why not? What kept them there? Well, I suspect for Paul and Silas, it was their commitment to sharing the good news. And maybe for the other prisoners, it was the hope they found in hearing the good news. We don't know, and Scripture doesn't tell us. We do know that the jailer woke up with all the noise, and was horrified when he saw that the doors to the prison were open. He assumed all of the prisoners had escaped, and he was ready to pull his sword and kill himself, because if those prisoners were gone, he had not completed the job he had to do, and his life was worthless. But Paul shouts out, no, no, don't do that. We're all here. We're just singing. And so the jailer gets Paul and Silas, brings them out, falls down before them, and asks, what must I do to be saved? So one more time, Paul shares the good news, and the jailer and his entire household are converted to Christian faith, They are all baptized and become part of that new church, which was founded in Philippi. It is an amazing story of peace in the midst of trauma. Nobody wants to be in prison, especially for a crime that is not really a crime. Nobody wants to be in prison bruised and bloody. Nobody wants to face a life sentence for failure to do a job. And nobody wants to deal with the chaotic, traumatic messes that come our way. And yet, friends, to be alive in today's world is to face the same chaos and trauma Paul and Silas faced. We worry about Russian interference in our elections. You know, hurricane season started a day or two ago, and we know what it means to be a part of a hurricane or to watch the floodwaters rise. Our United Methodist Church, it's struggling to figure out who it is and what kind of a future it might have. And as a local congregation, we're facing issues of financial struggle and dwindling attendance. Life happens. We lose our jobs. We get sick. People hurt And disappoint us and yes those who are most dear to us die. Our lives are filled with chaos and trauma so I think it's important for us to ask ourselves how in the midst of the chaos and trauma we face can we find the peace That Paul and Silas demonstrated there in that prison cell. And the answer to that question is exactly the same way they found it. We trust Jesus Christ to be precisely who he says he is God with us, the face of God's love. The promise that God's love is stronger than all human hatred. The power of resurrection hope, alive and at work among us. After Paul experienced the risen Christ on the Damascus road, he never again questioned the reality of Christ's resurrection. He gave his heart to Jesus that day, met Jesus face to face, and placed his trust in Jesus. And from that time on, resurrection hope was the heart of every sermon he preached, and it was what sustained him every time he was beaten or placed in prison. Friends, we have met Jesus too. We have known hope. We have experienced God with us. I want you to reflect on that. When have you experienced the presence of God. At a time when God seemed so real, you you felt like you might be able to reach out and touch God. Hold on to those moments. Treasure them, for that is what sustains us in those moments when life is hard and we are afraid. Now, friends, I take the power of evil very seriously. It is the reason our world is plagued with war and violence. But I also take the power of God's love far more seriously. Yes, there are bad actors in our world. There are nations whose values are not our values. But friends, God is God. Jesus Christ is Lord. And the power of God to do good through faithful people is far greater than the power of bad actors to do harm. This is God's creation. It belongs to God. Our our dear United Methodist Church is in pain, and we don't know what the church will look like in the coming years. And whatever is decided, some people are going to leave. But if our story is like the stories of other denominations who have lived through this struggle, other people will come to take the places of those who leave. And in the midst of our not knowing, we can be at peace because we trust jesus to be precisely who he says he is the lord of the church we can deal with some budget shortfalls and life in a world where people's church attendance patterns have changed from every sunday once or twice a month. The truth about you folks is that you really are in a strong financial position. The cash flow issues have come because dollars are being directed to your capital campaign for debt reduction, which is a short-term problem that will resolve itself with long-term good effect. The other truth is that God has a mighty purpose for this congregation. And as you discern that purpose and live it in the world in new ministries to your community, you can be at peace because Jesus Christ is Lord of the church. No matter what the trauma is, friends... We can be at peace because we have each other. Paul wasn't alone in that prison cell. Silas was with him. Every time Paul traveled, he took a companion along. Jesus sent disciples out two by two because he knew that the things life might throw at us would cause our faith to shake and tremble. Friends, the Christian faith is a faith of community. It is not a faith we can live all by ourselves. When you hurt so much you cannot pray, we pray for you. When the words the doctor utters are horrifying, we stand with you when God seems distant and far away, we remind you that God is God and you are loved. Scripture promises us peace beyond all human understanding. We find such peace in community. You know, my dear Sparks died on May 24th. I I was not alone in the hospital the morning of his death. I was surrounded by dear family and friends, so many that we had to take turns in his room while the larger group was out in the waiting area. At one point, I would be in the room with a person or two, or my daughter would be there, or my son-in-law. At the moment Sparks died, I was in the room holding both of his hands with two of my dearest friends that were holding on to me. At one point along the way, seemingly without any kind of prompting, one of my friends began to sing a hymn, and the other two of us joined in. We sang for maybe five or six minutes when all the monitors that were hooked up to Sparks slowly flatlined, and he passed very peacefully from life here with us into eternal life in God's loving arms. My friend Sandy said, we sang him into heaven. Now, I was crying, of course, and and the pain is still deep. But friends, God is God, and Jesus Christ is risen and alive and at work in our world. I have seen it in the cards that you sent and in the beautiful floral arrangements that came to Sparks' memorial service. I have heard it in the words of comfort you have spoken to me, and I have felt the prayers you have offered. Indeed, it is the faith of the body of Christ that allows me to stand here today. There are so many folks who simply cannot fathom singing in prison or at the bedside of a dying husband. But those of us who have met the God who loves us in Jesus Christ understand that we can have peace in the midst of trauma, peace in the midst of tears and deep pain. Friends, God is God. Jesus Christ is Lord, we have each other, and we have hope, and that is all that matters. Let me say that again. God is God, Jesus Christ is Lord, we have each other, and we have hope, and that is all that matters. In the name of the God who puts a song in our hearts, amen.